Welcome to the Hidden Wise 30-minute power segment. I am passionate about creating a lifestyle that minimizes suffering and regret. The purpose of life is not simply to survive, but to thrive, and I believe we do that by creating a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Each week, I'll be delivering a 30-minute conversation with a guest expert on a topic that they are knowledgeable and passionate about, with the purpose to inspire and educate us all. I don't have all the answers. I'm simply trying to figure life out. And through greater awareness and understanding, I can put into practice what I learn to further my life's progression. I can't give you your life's map. I can't show you the way, but I can assist you in discovering your why. I can help you define your life's compass to guide you purposefully to act on and pursue your life's desires. And from there, watch happiness ensue. My guests are the experts. They are the people I learn from. They provide the inspiration, education, and methodology that we can all benefit from in better navigating the ultimate life. Without further ado, let the show begin. G'day and welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. This is episode 889, my interview with Monica Berg, her second time on the show here at the Hidden Why podcast. And this time we're talking about love, baby. We're talking about relationships. She's just written a new book titled Rethink Love. And in this one, we're really talking about authenticity and how authenticity is really the driving force behind solid relationships. There's a lot to it, a lot to her book as well, but I think you'll get a lot out of this conversation with Monica. I was so grateful to have her back here for a second time. And guys, you're absolutely going to walk away from this thinking about your relationships and thinking about your own personal authenticity and what you can do to enhance your relationships with everyone else. Cheers. G'day, Monica. Welcome back to the Hidden Wire podcast. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm really good. It's good to have you back, and you've got another book out this time. We um, we chatted some time ago. I think it was late last year or mid last year, and we talked about um, how to rethink life, and we also talked about your other book, Fear Is Not an Option. And this time, you've got a new book out called Rethink Love, which I know has a lot of different areas that we can delve into, but really, it's it's all about relationships. And I suppose the topic today is authenticity. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that topic of authenticity and what it means as far as rethink love and relationships and all that. So uh, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be here. What, um, what inspired you to write this book, Monica? You know, I meet with so many people um, and uh, their biggest obstacle and challenge was the relationship. And it, of course, stemmed with the relationship mm. they have with themselves, but then also, you know, how to find love or how to create the love that they want, or to feel hurt in the relationship. So then I started meeting with couples, and then I started to find themes across the board that everybody had in common. And I thought, well, there's really something to this. And um, and so I decided to create kind of like a, a Bible of love that talks about every single thing I think that you can in reference to love, and how to live and be successful in a relationship. Mm. It's uh, pretty paramount. I know um, in the blurb about the book, um, you know, you, you really point to or highlight the fact that relationships um, are a big part of our life, a big part of the quality of our life and also our happiness. And I certainly agree to that. I think it's an essential life principle to have really good quality relationships in our life, whether that's um, relationships with a partner or relationships with family or friends or just others in the universe. Um, absolutely reliant on relationships and it's without them. Um, the quality of life won't be as good. What What are your thoughts on that? 
Absolutely. And I, what I stress really, I've written the, part, the book in three parts. Hmm. The first is me. Yeah. It's the most important and longest relationship you'll ever have. And that's the one you have with yourself. It's also the first one that most people miss, right? They yeah. go straight to, oh, when am I going to find the love of my life? And if you don't first take time to get to know yourself, accept yourself, love yourself, um, remove shame and blame and guilt and uh, live in an authentic way, then when you enter a relationship, first you might have found the wrong partner based on things that you don't really believe to be true, but you don't even know what you believe yet, right? Mm. And then later, 10 years down the line, you're going to be like, wow, I'm so different. This is not really what I want in a relationship. Um, so this first part I devoted nine chapters to because it really is so important. And I say that doesn't matter how old you are or when you pick up this book, whether you're widowed or you're in your seventies, or if you're 20 and looking for love, this one crucial step should not be overlooked. Um, and then the second part of the book is going from me to we moving from me to we it's about how to maintain your beliefs and stay grounded in who you are while navigating the intricacies of a relationship. Cause most people lose themselves in the relationship, especially if they never knew themselves in the first place. And the third is we, and that is a manual for growing a relationship to its ultimate potential. I think that people who even love each other, there's always another layer and level to get to. And the truth is that, you know, each year you, you should, and you're able to love each other more, to appreciate each other more and to have fun together more. So that, that is that whole, um, part of the book. Yeah, cool. And I do like the breakdown and the, the flow of that. Um, you also said you've you've been to many weddings over the years. Uh, I think it was 500 weddings in 20 years. Yes, and counting. Why, why so many weddings? Well, I'm married to a rabbi, and uh-huh. so um, he marries a lot of the, the, well, all of the couples. And before that, you know, his father did. And um, so it's put me in a really unique vantage point that I see couples often when they're just starting to date or when they're about to get married on their wedding day, I can tell you what the energy feels like. I even have these conversations with people who have cold feet. And then of course, after the honeymoon phase is over their first child. So I have this unique space of being an observer, but then also a participant. And um, Mm. it's very informative. So certainly helped um, with a lot of the, the research into the book, I suppose, as well. Very much, very much. Now, you talk about relationships, and I suppose for a lot of us, um, whether we're in a good relationship or not, sometimes you look outside externally and you see you know, a couple walking by or a couple in a relationship that you know, and, and, and sometimes they, they seem so perfect and you just go, wow, that's just amazing how they could get that. Um, but you, know, you talk about how all relationships are, are you know, a challenge, I suppose, and the challenge shouldn't be a sign of a relationship ending, but rather a sign of a relationship that needs to evolve. Absolutely. Well, first of all, part of the issue is that we all have illusions about what a marriage will be or what a relationship is going to bring us. Um, For some people, it's the white picket fence. Um, For others, it's stability. And the illusions can be dangerous depending on what is, how invested and how much of the relationship is based around that. So I write about my own illusion in the book. And that is, I didn't have an illusion about who I married, but who I would be in the marriage. Right. And my husband has always been very spiritual, and that was important to me as I was also on this journey and this quest. But I had this illusion, and I didn't recognize it until a few years into the marriage, that I thought just by marrying him, I would be transported to a higher, higher level of consciousness, right? Now, my illusion wasn't that dangerous because, again, it wasn't about who I married. But for others, again, depending on why, for some people— 
it's um, it's a, a good investment or it's more of a transactional thing or it's based just on physicality. So hmm. it's important to see the illusions. And I think looking at, you know, it's in lyrics and movies and novels, we buy into this romantic idea of love. And of course, that's an aspect of love, but that's not the love that's going to take you down the hall, the long haul. I mean, I'm going to go on my 23rd year, um, of being married this August right. and to be able to have a relationship, but by the way, and you still want to be married and you're having fun and you're elevating the love every year that requires really taking an honest look at where your relationship is at and not buying into, you know, I know I married the right person. If it's problem free, if we never argue or he never pushes my buttons or she never, you know, wants me to, to change. It's not about that. Of course it matters what the agenda is and where the, um, desires are coming from. But if you look at history, I mean, so many problematic relationships were amazing love stories. I mean, the long lasting ones. So I think that issues and problems in a relationship can be an opportunity for growth and your partner is your mirror. So what better opportunity, right? You won't get any other one like that. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point. And I love that idea of, of seeing challenges and opportunity to grow. And I think that's not just with relationships, but anything in life that we, that we face. That's my um, mantra, a thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, you want to see yourself through a problem. Um, you don't want to see it happening to you, right? So yeah. most people, when, when there's an issue that happens, it's like, oh, I want to, I want it to go away, or I want to medicate it, or I just want it to pass as quickly as possible. But actually, if you take the time to go through it, you can be changed and and much better for it, and then you actually see it as the gift it always was. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I suppose where I'm just trying to figure out where where we can start with this and and bringing it back to that word authenticity, mm-hmm. what what does authenticity like? How do you define authenticity? Uh, the way I define it and what it means to me is um, not being afraid to be seen. It's self acceptance in its highest form, and it's the foundation of which all happy lives are built on. Not even just relationships. But without authenticity, our relationships lack fulfillment, intimacy, and happiness. Because if you can't show up and say, this is who I am, I'm not perfect, right? We're all in the middle of some kind of story and process, but you accept yourself for who you are, flaws and all, while still wanting to maybe change and grow and and be better and do better, but to allow yourself really to be seen. I mean, there's nothing more freeing than that. Hmm. And the most emotionally intelligent relationships um, consist of people being authentically who they are. And that's why, again, that first part of the book is so important because how can you be authentic if you don't know what you believe or you've, you've raised the volume to other people's opinions and all of the outside noise and feedback and you need validation, right? So to really live authentically, you need to do that work of saying, okay, that's not really what's important to me. Yeah, that word authenticity has been um, well used recently in uh, media. And, um, yeah, it's good to define it like that. And I think I, I like that definition of not being afraid to be seen. Um, and going back to your point too, that it really needs to start with the individual authenticity because you can't have an authentic relationship if the individual uh, isn't being really totally authentic and, and being totally uh, vulnerable, I suppose, as who they are. Absolutely. And I, I also write that being authentic is an acknowledgement that we're imperfect, as I said, but we're still worthy of belonging, right? So if Mm. you don't think you deserve love, but you crave love, is it going to come to you? Often I find, especially in relationships and people who are looking for one, they have competing thoughts, right? I'm really lonely. I really want somebody to love me as I am. However, 
I don't love myself as I am, and I don't think I'm deserving of love. So again, you need to remove the negative and change belief systems. A lot of that is from feedback we got from when we were children or our parents' mm-hmm. relationships or things we watched growing up that really influenced us sure. and shaped us. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start with this um, this journey of authenticity and, and really uh, soul-searching, I suppose, and, and finding out who we are and, and being comfortable with that. Because I think like what you just said there is we were imperfect and, you know, being imperfect but worthy of belonging. And I, I like that. That sense of belonging is absolutely important, but there's so many of us that that's what we struggle with. We don't feel that we have a sense of belonging. Yeah, I think that it really starts with, and that's why I'm really excited too, because I created a workbook Mm. and there's tons of workshops in the book so that each one of these concepts that I address, Mm -hmm. I actually ask you questions to prompt you to start thinking about how you live in this way. So for instance, with authenticity, you would need to start with looking at your past, right? Because that informs our future and see what aspects of yourself have you looked for someone else to validate. Right. So a lot of people do this with their parents. They pick the career, even the partner, right, that their parents think is good for them. And and and, and by the way, when you allow other people to influence you so completely mm-hmm. that you need their validation. And I also differentiate what's the difference between feedback and validation. Feedback yeah. is tell me something that will help make me better. And validation is tell me something that's going to make me okay, right? So first it's to identify what and who in your life have you looked to for validation. Because when you start to recognize how you do it, you can see the pattern, and then you can start to choose the opposite next time a situation comes up. Um, And that's where it all begins. It's really about creating the relationship with yourself where you become a friend to yourself first and foremost, which will be very uncomfortable if that's not how you've been operating so far. So are we often going out there and trying to validate ourselves through our behaviors and actions? Very often. Very, very often. Uh-huh. Okay, well, this I is interesting. How, how, do we, how do we dig deeper into this? Because like, I'm just trying to think from my, my perspective is, you know, what am I doing um, daily to validate myself? But I'm just not quite connecting those dots. How do we search for those areas in particular that we're trying to validate ourselves? Yeah, it's hard and it's deep, right? Because Mm, this mm. is something that we've done for so long, it just seems like part of who we are. But it doesn't feel good when you need other people's approval, right? So I learned, and by the way, the reason I'm so passionate, I mean, I love my other book too, but this one really is kind of like a labor of love because every single thing I've written about in this book, I have gone through and I have practiced and I'm living, right? So I used to be somebody who was very reliant on validation. Okay. Um, And I, you know, what everybody thought mattered and I wanted to please people and I wanted to make sure they were all okay and everybody was happy and that they liked me. Mm. If you find yourself thinking things like that, or even, you know, oh, look, I want to be successful in my career or make money or my podcast or whatever, because I want to show other people that I made it or that I did the thing they said I I can relate to that. Sure. All of those things, right? Which is basically connected to our ego, which is not the aspect of ourself that is authentic. It's the Uh opposite of that. Yeah, right. Okay. I got pushed to the point where it was so impossible because there was so much, um, in my personal life, there was so much opposition coming at me that I ended up having to choose myself. And, and we talked about this, I think last time, but I had an eating disorder, um, which basically I was starving myself to death and you don't get 
you don't get really lower than that, right? Not even wanting to love yourself enough to be able to take care of yourself or to feed yourself. Yeah. So I realized that I can't, my life will be over and I really need to start being kind to myself and be a friend to myself. So what I started to do is train myself that every time I started to worry, you know, what does this person think? Do they approve? Do they like me? I'd stop and say, you know, I really don't care as long as I'm okay with my actions. And I'm also a very spiritual person and I strive to be that. So I would also ask, like, do I feel like this is what I meant to be doing? And do I feel like this is what the creator would be happy with me doing? So I took it, it was between me and above from where I came from and where I'll end up and all that noise, all that in between. I just really, I just said, I just don't care. It's just, it's so not important. And I understood that. Like, we all know that. But emotionally, right, we still thrive off of that feedback, that validation that we need. Mm, so mm. I just started to give myself that instead. Like, are, do you feel proud of yourself? Does this feel good to you? And how do you, it's really about also being mindful. In those moments where I'm doing what I feel like I'm meant to do and I'm living in those points, I feel really amazing. I feel happy. I feel yeah. connected and I feel strong. So I started to really pay attention to that emotion, which was so, um, fulfilling and it lasted. And then eventually the other stuff really like, honestly, I could care less what people think. And, and it's, and it's a muscle you grow, but once you get there, it's so freeing. So there's a bit of self-honesty in that, isn't there? Oh, there's complete honesty. <laughs> like it's, it's cause you can't, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, be dishonest to yourself, I suppose. And the truth is you've hit on something really key here. Sometimes we feel things that we're not proud of or that we're not happy about. Hmm. And it's uncomfortable to not be happy with yourself. It's uncomfortable to feel shame or to feel like, oh, my God, I made a mistake. So we tend to blame something external, right? So when we do that, you're not taking responsibility for the quality of life and you're not living in an authentic, truthful way. Hmm. So what I would like you to do is in those moments, acknowledge, you know, this doesn't feel good but I'm going to be a friend to myself. I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to be punishing. What can I learn about this? What can I learn so I can do something different next time it comes up? It's still a conversation you have with yourself. So anytime Mm. you find yourself needing external um, validation, stop and say, no, I want to seek it internally instead. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Looking, looking within um, a little bit more on those occasions. And, and I certainly, can relate and even recently i've probably been more wound up with external validation um and i think we just get caught up in it you know um, yeah but the thing is this is key you said i want to check in more frequently the truth is if you yeah. really want to change this aspect of your life and all of your your listeners yeah. it has to be something you do daily and more than that it has to be something you do a few times a day it's okay. checking in with yourself it's giving yourself honest emotional feedback you know Monica, how did I feel about this that happened earlier? Or how do you, because you'll start to feel uncomfortable. It'll be a feeling and then it'll be a mood and maybe you'll be sad or you'll be angry and be like, well, where did that come from? I was fine two hours ago. So then you rewind and say, okay, well, what happened? What was the thought two hours before? Where did I put my time and energy or what was I worried about? And then you're able to self-correct. Hmm. How do you do that? Like with the, um, on a daily basis? I mean, you, you do that when it Just like moment that. comes up or do you, do you, well, now, do you for journal me, it's automatic or? now because yeah. I've been doing it so long, but before I was able to do that, I would find myself maybe hours later saying, well, wh- why do I feel the way I feel? It doesn't feel good. Right. And instead of ignoring that or self-medicating and going to find the next good time and to avoid any feelings that are uncomfortable, okay. I would stop and so say, okay, well, what time. happened? Yeah. Mm. What happened again? Like 
three hours ago? And if I still couldn't access it, okay, what happened five hours ago? Well, what happened yesterday morning or in the morning, right? And then eventually, if you ask a question enough times, you're going to get the answer. Mm. And then once I had the information, then I could choose how to respond to it. So I think that's a point there too. A lot of people don't give themselves that time to to self-reflect and and go within. Right, because we're impatient and we're unkind to ourselves. I mean, really, we are. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get caught up in in whatever you know, feeling crappy, but then we'll go and seek other other ways to to escape it without addressing it. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, I think you said something else in there, but it's just lost me too that I wanted to touch on. Where do we bring this this level of authenticity? So once we start really reflecting within and and being more authentic with ourselves, I like the idea of um, you know not. It's not that we don't care what other people think, but not needing their validation, more importantly. Well, I think it's about radical accountability, Hmm. which means that um, you can't be trapped in a victim mentality. And more people are stuck in this space than they'd like to admit. And, uh, and for all of us, it manifests, manifests in different ways. For some, it's denial. For some, it's anxiety. For others, it's resentment. But this mentality is born of the big three that I call them. It's guilt, blame, and shame. Mm-hmm. And when you have these negative feelings, um, it's hard to actually get out of victimhood. So I break down and I define what the difference is with those three emotions. Because I grew up in a Middle Eastern home, and that's really that's what we felt pretty much all the time. Blame, guilt, and shame. And when I had the eating disorder, oh my God, I was so so much shame about it. Because I knew what I was doing was wrong at some point when I finally recognized that I had the disorder, but at the same time, I, I couldn't stop, right? So um, first it's to recognize when we feel these emotions and how we use them. And, you know, it all comes down to self-sabotage. So when we start to see how we live our lives and what we think, then we're able to do something about it. Yeah. Okay. Because the truth is you can't be authentic if you're hiding parts of who you are. Hmm. Right. So the first is to shine light on it, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's hard to see. And then from that space, you have information and then you have choices from yeah. choices to make change. Yeah. How do, how do we bring this into uh, our relationships or finding relationships? Like, do we look for, for those things that are important to us and who we are? Yes. But what I always tell people, and I I know this for sure, all the things that you're looking for in a partner. I even did a workshop. Um, I started my book tour last week and my talk was very workshop oriented because again, I want people to hear what I'm saying, apply it to their lives and then have immediate action, right? Cause that's the only way yeah, that things yeah. are actually going to move. So I asked them to make a list of all the things they want in a partner, which is kind of comical. I, I enjoy hearing the list because you know, some of it's not realistic. Um, and also, there's no accountability in that, right? Like, I always say, okay, well, I'm less interested in that. The question you really need to ask yourself is, would you want to be married to you, right? Like, what are you putting out in the world? What are you offering? All those things you want to find in somebody else, are you that yourself? Are you living that? So, and again, that means first that you have to learn to love yourself, all of yourself, mm-hmm. even the things that are hard to look at, which is unconditional love. And then from that space, you can attract authentic love. How can you attract authentic love if you're not authentically loving yourself? Yeah. So that's the first place to start for sure. But if you ask yourself that question of, would, would I like to be married to myself? 
Yes, what's the answer? <laughs> we're going we're to find those imperfections because I, I know, like, yeah, I've got, I've got imperfections. And then but that we makes all me, do, right? Yeah. And then when you ask that question, then ego gets kicked out of the relationship and then mm. you're able to come to a space that is vulnerable, that is it sort kind. It helps you focus but, on those spaces that maybe yes. you need to work on too. Because love is never the problem. I know many people who love each other and they can't live together anymore. The mm. issue is not love. And the other thing is people spend so much time in finding the one. And then once they do, they stop investing in the relationship. That's yeah. when the work starts. And then people, and sorry, but especially men, like work. I mean, I worked hard to find the one and that's it. But work is not, it doesn't have to be hard. It's just investment. I mean, we put, we put energy and investment in everything that matters to us, but not in our relationships because we have this false belief system that it should be effortless. Again, if it's the one, it's going to be easy. Hmm. Hmm. No, there's definitely work needed. And I think you find in my situation with young kids that um, we all get caught up with not only our occupations, but our children as well. And, um, and yeah, we, we don't give that in. Well, we don't, we probably ignore the need for that investment into the relationship. All right. Especially, I mean, people often ask me, I have four kids and, you know, I think, my husband and I, our parenting approach is probably a little bit differently. They ask us a lot of questions and then we respond with asking them a question, right? Because mm. I want them to start thinking in this way. I want them to start to learn to rely on themselves and trust themselves. And our role as parents is really to help guide them and navigate them. Of course, if they're going off course, to help them steer in a different direction. But um, I, I never, it always bothers me when, when people say things like, well, I'm the adult, listen to me, or I'm the parent and I've already been, I already did that. Or no, I learned from, learned from my mistakes, but your child's not you. Right. So, mm. and I write about this too, in the unconditional love chapter, a big part of unconditional love is allowing the person you love to have their journey. Even if it's difficult to watch, even if you see them making mistakes, you love them through it. Right. Because yeah. control and love they're not, they can't exist together, not unconditional love. And we often try to control the ones we love the most. It's mm. not fair to them, you know. That's true. The, um, the, the biggest three areas, that, well, I wouldn't say three areas, I'm just thinking of three areas myself, but with relationships um, not working, where do you see them coming unstuck? Um, well, I think that the big, I, I do get this question a lot, and I really actually like it very much. I think that people tend to, stopping friends and the best relationships are based on deep friendship for sure. Hmm. Um, I think that they also lose appreciation and once appreciation is lost, the love is lost yeah. because you can't really appreciate something that you no longer value. And then suddenly, you know, we take our emotions so seriously and we think, wow, you know, I don't really, I don't feel the love, but no, you love them. You just can't access it because you've lost that appreciation. And I think that, um, and I think the third, honestly, which is not a negative, I think that people stop having fun along the way. I mean, I talk a lot about having laughter and levity in a relationship because, again, it is work mm. and it is an investment, but it also has to be fun. I mean, think about when you started mm. dating. If there was never any fun and you didn't laugh together, which is a part of friendship too, but would you stay around? I mean, why? So mm. I think that – and then, of course, there's – I mean, there's so many things. Those would probably be the top three. Um, and I think it's also really important to learn – fighting styles. I get worried about couples who don't fight. I think when you are passionate about something, you're going to have an opinion and you might argue about it. And that's actually very healthy. I know yeah, this um, couple, I've heard that a few times. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know this couple that, um, their kids are the same ages as my kids. And 
one day their parents announced they were getting divorced and they said, I don't understand. We never saw them fight. I was like, well, you know, there's something there. And the thing is you have to just agree on the style. You know, if you're the silent type and, um, your partner is a screamer, you're going to have a problem, right? So you have to sit down and agree. That's true. Do you think there's a lot of relationships where, you know, they, they get into a relationship and then, um, even before, well, yeah, before they got into the relationship, they weren't really um, knowing themselves. I, I think this probably is very common, but what are your thoughts? I mean, they're not authentic, so they get into a relationship and then they start to really uh, learn about who they are and then they realize that perhaps the relationship they're in isn't suitable. I see it all the time, and I, I give so many examples in the book about that. Um, there's also pressure about, you know, how old are you, what age you should have been married, or if you're the oldest and your siblings are married. I mean, it's less prevalent now, but it still does exist. And again, I think for sometimes people marry because they want a, a ticket to somewhere else, you know? Um, There's a lot of people that are at that point and they just say, look, it's, you know, we don't see eye to eye anymore. I'm, who I am was different when I got into this and now who I am is, is maybe not there anymore and it's just not compatible. I mean, is it always going to be compatible and we can find no, that compatibility I, or is it like I, appreciating that, hey, this, this is right. We're two different things now and we need to go our own journeys. I think that sometimes exiting is the right choice. Um, the only thing I would say with that is that I think far too often people choose that as the first choice because, you know, John Gottman, I love his work. He's a, a relationship expert. And yeah. he studied about how most people only seek counsel after the seventh year of marriage. And by that time, imagine how much resentment has built up and um, scorekeeping. And, you know, so... I think that at that time, often couples are like, I'm done. I just can't take it anymore. Or even after 20 years, but they never put in the work. I think that, again, the process is the purpose and there's always something to learn. And we've talked about this too with my studies of Kabbalah. There is something called tikkun. There's a a process, right? We all have a correction in life. And often relationships are going to help you see the areas that you need to change the most for your own benefit. So if you exit in the middle of a chapter, right? Imagine like if the movie is playing and you just say, okay, well, I'm done, right? I'm not interested anymore. And you walk out, there are other opportunities or experiences to be had or even understandings. Again, sometimes exiting is absolutely the right choice, but I just think that it's not always the first one. And I mm. think sometimes people are like, you know, well, I just, I, I can't take it anymore. I just want out. It seems to be the easiest option at the moment. Like a lot of people just take that, that route. I think so. I do. Mm. I do. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, what, what are the things I'm going to wrap it up with this question? What, what are the few things that you do in your relationship, Monica? to really spark that, um, involvement and intensity? Um, well, we are definitely best friends and we also understand the real importance of putting energy in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So we do that. And again, with the kids, we have our youngest is six and sometimes she's like, why can't I come with you? You know? And I said, well, you know, your parents were here before you came along and we still need time together. So I think it's just having a healthy appreciation of all the things that could come in from external places that could threaten the relationship. And so not to allow any openings. And, um, and we also really support one another's dreams and hopes and their and, and vulnerabilities we're really able to speak from that space of respect and true care what what on a, again, years of making i mean really years of 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 work 
Um, yeah, and those, I mean, there, there might be some things that you do daily or, or weekly or whatever that are like routines that you guys have that really help make those connections. Because again, I think I like the idea that we, we support each other's dreams and all that sort of stuff, but there has but to be something that, there. That, okay, so at daily, daily, like we both know what each other's schedule is. And like today, I know what meetings he was having or like every day at night, like where are you working from tomorrow? Who are you meeting with? And then maybe in the afternoon we'll speak or check in. And hmm. how was that thing that happened earlier? We're so emotionally intelligent. It means we really care about and pay attention to each other's days and the things that are important to one another. Right. So individually forget about the relationship. Hmm. And when you have that deep level of friendship and care, that's unbreakable. Right. So like he knows right now that I'm in a podcast and he'll ask me later, how was that? Or there's this constant feeling that, um, we have each other's back right. and we also allow each other to have the space to be, That's it's good. a perfect balance. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you give each, do you give yourselves time to make those connections or is it just part of the part of the day well, part now, of the friendship now, no now that's just automatic and that's yeah. it's always, you know the other thing is people often think it's like oh the big sweeping things they do you know the valentine's gift or the diamond ring or it's the small little acts of kindness and care day to day that warm my heart more than anything and for him too hmm. yeah really lovely it's uh, i'm looking forward to reading this book monica i just received it in the post so thank you for sending it and, um, send, me a, send me an email later. Let me know. I know there's a lot more to it um, than our brief discussion today, but I think it's uh, been an inspiring conversation, and I hope the listeners out there have taken away something and maybe some inspiration to rethink their love. So, uh, Monica, any final words? No, it's, it's always great talking to you. Thank you. Cool, man. And where can people reach you? Um, on my website, rethinklife.today, and on Instagram, monicaberg 74 all right, guys, stick those links in the show notes. Check it out. Um, Monica was on the podcast previously for episode 816, and um, yeah, the show notes will be there as well. So check that out. And until next time, peace, passion, purpose. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in and listening to today's conversation. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've been able to take something away, something to help you create a more meaningful life, a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Guys, if you love the content that I produce here at The Hidden Why, there are a few ways you can support me. Firstly, connect with me. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can connect with me online at thehiddenwhy.com or via social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to connect with you. If you've got any thoughts, comments, feedback, suggestions, or anything at all that you'd like to ask me, you can reach me at thehiddenwhyguy at gmail.com. While you're there, guys, make sure you subscribe to thehiddenwide.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can be kept up to date with all the new episodes and happenings here at The Hidden Why. If you love what you heard in this episode, guys, or any of the others, please share the love. Share it with your family, friends, and anyone you think that might get some value. If you haven't already done so, you can also leave me a review on iTunes. Simply head over to iTunes, type in The Hidden Why, click the ratings and reviews button, and leave me a short message plus a one to five star rating. It helps me reach more people. Once again, guys, I appreciate the time you've taken out of your day to support my show. Until next time, you know what to do. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose, and in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is the Hidden Why Podcast. My name is Liam Mundelty. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.